Sass Backwards is sponsored by Austin Lawrence Group, specializing in demand gen for SaaS. It sure is noisy. I deleted 100 emails from vendors just this morning. Your buyer has gotten better at ignoring you, and you're going to need a big idea if you want to cut through all that clutter. Austin Lawrence is just the right agency to help you find it. So if your campaigns are falling on deaf eyeballs, let's talk. Visit austinlawrence.com today, and let's build something bigger. Welcome to the SaaS Backwards Podcast, where we reverse engineer the success of fast-growing SaaS firms and explore strategies CMOs and CEOs are using to drive their businesses forward. Welcome to SaaS Backwards, a podcast that helps SaaS CEOs and CMOs to accelerate growth and enhance profitability. Our guest today is Brandy Sanders, She's a newly minted CMO at Revenue.io and joining me from the Ascent Conference in New York. Hey, Brandy. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Great to have you on the podcast. Thank you. It's a lot of energy on the floor. Just as an FYI, we are surrounded by melodious tones of sales, marketing, and revenue generators here. So super excited to kind of come into this conversation with that behind us. Thanks. And before we dig in, could you just tell us a little bit about your background and your company, Revenue.io? Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to. So I am Brandy Sanders. I am the new Chief Marketing Officer at Revenue.io. And we are a high-performing revenue AI tool that works very deeply with conversation intelligence and real-time to really empower folks to sell better, sell faster, and know the next best actions as an AE and SDR or a revenue generator at a team. So super excited to be joining them. I should say the reason my elevator pitch might not be so polished is I've only been there a little bit shortly over four weeks. So it's a brand new role that I've stepped into previously. I have been a fractional CMO. I worked with companies like Sony Music, Etsy, Blackline, had an amazing IPO in NASDAQ there and lots of fractional work. So it's not a new play, but it is a new company. So extraordinarily excited to join the very talented team there at Revenue.io. Yeah, and I think it's a great place to be, making it possible for the sellers to be more effective Mm -hmm. and to improve their efficiency because they're like one of the highest cost, highest value parts of the revenue operation, right? Yeah, I agree. And I think the, the thing that really attracted me about this particular organization versus many of the others that I was fortunate enough to get offers with and have conversations with was the fact that we drank our own Kool-Aid. So we use our own platform for sentiment analysis. We use it to analyze conversations, develop generative email follow-ups. Like if you and I are talking, it would basically, you know, spit out what we talked about, action items. It's just, it's a really fascinating tool. And I think Especially here at Ascent, AI is on everyone's tongue. You simply can't get away from it. And it's just a great time to be involved with generative AI and go-to-market revenue generation functions. Yeah, so this is like for all us marketers who cringe when we see sales, <laughs> sales written emails, right? <laughs> yeah. It'll I help mean, with that somewhat. I, it, it will help with it 110%. I myself, when I first came into the products and I've kind of used other generative tools or like auto suggestive nurtures and stuff like that in the past. But this was just like wildly efficient and the time savings onboarding by using demoing, becoming familiar with that product and 
I think just the asterisk there is as a chief marketing officer, if you can't demo that product, I don't know how you're selling it, which is kind of a wild thing to have to say out loud, but I think that it's so important that you know the product, you've touched it, you've had experience with it from the prospect side, from the customer side, from the end user side, and it's just been a really fantastic journey and I'm just getting started with it, but the ability for it to be useful in so many different parts of revenue acceleration, whether that's upsell, cross-sell, customer marketing, et cetera, it's kind of limitless. So it's a very exciting time for me to join that org. It is a great thing. Yeah. So always new promise, right? <laughs> in, in, a, in a new position like this. But yeah. I imagine you have a roadmap you're yes. following to onboard yourself. 100%. And can you give a little bit of insight into what you're doing yep. to help yourself succeed at Revenue.io? Yeah. I think that one of the most interesting things about the chief marketing officer role, and I know this from both covering it in interim at former organizations, doing it fractionally, and then in my wheelhouse, even as a SVP of demand gen and marketing, so many friends were CMOs. You know, they had, they had done the step up. That average tenure is really only about... 16 to 18 months on average, universally across all those industries. And so for me, my stepping up and into this role, I'm really looking at 36 months and understanding from day one to end of those first four quarters to the next roll in four quarters, what do expectations look like? What do my revenue goals look like? What does growth look like? Cross-sell, upsell, customer marketing, product marketing. It's about getting very anchored into the data so that you have milestones. If you imagine it like as a video game or something, you have milestones that unlock that next level, whether the next level is budget or a new hire or a requisite or funding for a particular channel that you know has worked in the past and you can get it energized again. It's about anchoring in that. So for me, I get very documentarian. So it's like explicitly, there's a handshake agreement on, here's the expectation for the roles, the core KPIs, how I measure success, by channel, by team, by individual contributor, and then also for myself. And I think when you come to the table deeply married to sales, which I very much am, I came from, you know, I've smiled and dialed, I've been held to quotas for many years. It puts you in a different position because you have skin in the game. You're not just there to generate, pardon me, but bullshit leads and MQLs. You're here to create pipeline that goes to closed one and quarter over quarter, rolling quarters moving forward, really make it so that it's measurable and that's where scalable and repeatable come in. So for me, I'm married to the sales side of it and I'm also deeply entrenched in the data. I think at this point, CMOs have like that hat they take off where it's like data analyst, sales enablement. You're more than just the madman jazz hands in the background. Now you have to be someone who carries the entirety of go-to-market on your back. And the only way you can do that is by nailing down those growth metrics and making them empirical and statistical. Yeah, I think that's a trend we're hearing from CMOs that yep. we interview here on the podcast that like pipeline commit and really being Velcroed to yeah. the sales leadership yeah. so that they know you're in it with them. Yeah, and their you, pain is your pain. Exactly, like, and back and forth, yeah, right? likewise. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like if you don't adopt this new pitch deck, and those deals don't close, I'm going to hold you to that. In the same way that if I generate lots of leads and MQLs and it looks good because it's high value, but low quality, I'm going to want you to hold me to that too. So it's very much that traditional chasm between those two worlds. You have to kind of like really push past it and you have to lean across the table 
proactively, and I've worked with amazing SVPs and CROs. We have Alistair who joined us from Gardner, a CSRO over there, and then uh, Kyle Dipintima, I've worked with him before at Observe AI. Like if you have a strong sales leader, they have skin in the game. Like they want things to work. It's not like, you know, the olden days where it used to be marketing is just like madman. Like, oh, we make decks. I make a white paper, I make a case study, I make a logo, big deal. Like, are you generating high-end tech things that are moving through the pipeline as they're going to go to closed one? And I think it's just a very different way of looking at things. Yeah, and so you talked about, you know, tracking data. Yes. How are you doing that? What's the instrumentation? Yes. Like, do you have the tech stack you need yes. where you are? Or do you need to... So you need to make some changes there. I think one of the most interesting things with tech stacks and more tech stacks is they proliferate, right? So if there's ever a gap, you missed your numbers, maybe your inbound is anemic, you can't figure out why things aren't going to close one, or there's like a gap somewhere from raw lead to inquiry to SAL to MQL, et cetera. Some people, they start throwing tech at it. And the craziest part is you can throw the best tech stack in the world at not so great content, at not so great website, at not so great programmatic leader. And it won't solve the problem. Tech doesn't solve the problem people do. And so for me, I love, I do have tools like SEMrush and Google Analytics and Salesforce. You know, we work within that CRM that kind of let you set that formulaic mathematical way of thinking down on paper and kind of anchor in those milestones. But then you also have to kind of step back and think, it's also a philosophical alignment, right? So it's not just like, hey, I have Salesforce and sales hit Salesforce, and here's how we look at fields and mapping. It's a philosophical agreement on, here's our number, we're gonna get there together. And then you can inform things like SEMrush, Google Analytics, you can use Marketo, really depending upon the size of the organization. But you set that up at the most base levels and then build on it. Right? A lot of people come in and they try to do like advanced right away. And I danced for many years, many, 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 many years. You cannot go from a plie into a grand jeté across the floor or like a 32-step you know, tap dance if you don't know the basic steps. So I always start simple and you start adding on to it. Once you know what works, you can add on to it. It's a bit like, honestly, it's a bit like dancing. Never heard that before. <laughs> That's good. And I probably won't plie, right? Well, we're in New York City. I feel like I have to like, you know. Step it up to, a little I, bit. You got you to give your 32 count here. I got to bring back <laughs> the dates of working on you know, Broadway gigs. But yeah, I, it comes down to like, you have to get the simple stuff right first before you do ABX, before you do ABM, before you do personas and advanced industry verticalization. Like, can you just get your content right? So I want to ask you about that. Were you brought in? because you know, the management felt they had missed some opportunities I previously? Mean, I mean, I think, what are you fixing? I think it's less about the fixing part and it's more about there are certain types of talents that are great for say XYZ ARR to 20 million. I mean, 20 million to 50 million, it's a different shoe for the foot. And then 50 to 100 is sometimes a different shoe or team or person. And I think the tactics that go into this particular area that we're looking at together are pulled from kind of elevating and turning this into something that is repeatable, right? It's laying down that framework. It's laying down the templates and making sure that it's anchored to higher level KPIs other than say a, a lead or an MQL. It's about commitment to quota and the same way that an SVP of sales or VP of sales is committed to quota, I'm gonna be committed to quota with them. So it's about 
you know, coming in and kind of changing the paradigm from, I would say like Mad Men, right? Like where it's more brand, look, feel, soft metrics, like leads and MQLs, uh -huh. and shifting it towards pipeline generation. So it yeah. sounds to me like you're the scale-up CMO right. here. Right, yeah, it's, it's very much, it's growth-minded. So it's taking what worked in the past, we keep that, what didn't work in the past, we address it, we anchor it in data, we get really strategic but also tactical, and you learn how to execute quicker, better, faster, and you use that data to inform the next decision versus say, I don't know, think about it this way, like if you have 15 campaigns you've done over a year, right? And you know some of them worked and some of them didn't, and how you quantify worked might be SQLs generated or MQLs generated, depends upon the operational literacy and maturity of the work. But for me, one of the things that I love to do is like, do you think about how do you do the next one? Like most marketers, they'll just roll over in the morning and go, hey, I have a great idea for a campaign. They won't look back and say, retrospectively, is this at a target audience that we know is an ICP? Is this gonna be the type of content that even performs for us? Are we gonna do like a $30,000, $40,000 video when like 99.9% .9 of closed one came through a webinar or a podcast? So I think like I would put that stuff into a generative model and let it come back to me and then we sit together and look at like, look, out of the last 15 we've done, here's what's been effective for high intent, your demo, your on-demand and your pricing page, and then iterate from there as opposed to like, you know, more spray and pray mentality because it puts you at risk in a marketing role. You're already soft, right? People assume you're soft because you're a marketer. You're always like the first head of roles. I have a very know? dear friend who told me it wasn't a profession. <laughs> I've, I've never, I've never let her live that down. Right. Well, I mean, that's easy to say. People say the same thing about acting, but I only know one Anthony Hopkins. So everyone thinks they're marketer the way everyone thinks they're an actor until the camera's on you. You know, everyone thinks they're hot till the fire comes. If you know what I'm saying. Yeah. So I just think in our particular area in startups and B2B SaaS in general, that fire comes often. And in highly competitive spaces, you have to be able to differentiate not only your product, but your content the way you go to market, the channels that you're using. I mean, if you look around the floor, there's like double digit vendors, right? How do you stand out in a crowd like that? And that's where really the superpower for the creative side of marketing comes in. So it's a dual hemisphere. The creative side where you're thinking about the storytelling human aspect and that more statistical, empirical, kind of hard set data. It's definitely married. art and yeah, science. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Totally you have to be both science. now. So before this role, yeah. you had done some fractional CMO yes. work. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I've spoken with a lot of senior marketers, <laughs> yeah. and they're not always open to the idea of being consultants. Yes. However, all of the fractional CMOs and consultants that I've spoken to have felt that it accelerated their career. Oh, absolutely. Like, there's no doubt in my mind. I mean, I think that if you're in the type of place that supports that kind of initiative where you can, air quotes, side gig it, or even if you don't have a full-time gig and you have three or four folks that you're doing fractional C-suite or even VP or senior director work for, what you start to experience is like an incubation, the likes of which would take you multiple decades at other works. Because you're immediately, because you're a high-cost asset usually, you're immediately brought into the paint. So you don't get to go through the onboarding and here's our thing and there's this other thing and like get to know this and that. It's like, here's the pain, fix it. Now, because you're expensive and it's a billable hour, right? So you have to move quickly. And I think it also diversifies, like if someone starts in e-commerce, they tend to stay in e-commerce because it's what they know. You can get into your uncomfortable zone. And I love saying like, 
if you can be comfortable being uncomfortable, your career looks a lot more gorgeous at the end. Like just get used to being uncomfortable all the time. It's the only way to make this, this stuff work. But you can go from e-commerce and do B2B, you can come out of SaaS and go to D2C, you can do B2C, you can do nonprofit work. Like I really ran the gamut with whether it was content creation, it was creating multimedia like the podcast, it was, you know, shooting educational videos often in another country. It's like that diversification, I think your neural pathways for one literally like they spark up, right? If you're running the same playbook as a marketer and you've only done this one thing and maybe you're really good at it, you're going to start to approach it a certain way. If you have exposure to diverse mindsets, to nonprofits, to B2C, DC, et cetera, even different verticals, e-commerce going to gas and oil, your ability to think of that problem three-dimensionally and kind of Rubik's Cube a solution becomes more powerful because you've literally created new synapses, like you're attacking problems in a new way. And I think the, the more seasoned you are, I think seasoned will be the PC term we use here because I don't want to talk about my age, but the more seasoned you are, I see people getting really stuck in a certain way of thinking and you can't let that happen. You have to break it every morning. You have to have a new brain. And I think that fractional work really allows you to do that. I couldn't agree more. And, yeah. and it's sort of why I love the agency business. Mm -hmm. And when I talk to potential hires who haven't worked in an agency, oh, yeah. I say, you have to decide. Are you a three course <laughs> meal person yeah. or a buffet person? Exactly. Because we're in the buffet business, yes, right? Absolutely. It's, even though we specialize in SaaS marketing, yes. it runs the gamut. It's going to run the gamut. Industries, verticalization, persona. SMB versus problems the market. they're trying to solve. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's just radically different. The way you sell to an SMB director of ops is very different than a CTO at a Fortune 500 enterprise company. Yeah, we're about to do work with a manufacturing software oh, company, and those people are totally different. We have Completely. to learn a whole new business. Yeah, the vernacular, you have acumen that you have to acquire the way that you speak. It's like building that, you know, like a Swiss Army knife for your brain. And you can come into any conversation empowered. And the best part is, is that as someone who is marketing out to prospects, if you get into a buying committee in a deal, in an active deal cycle, and the person across from you speaks that language and so do you, you have the ability to drive that very differently than the person next to you who only knows their own language. Yeah. So I think that's a great place yeah. to land yes. our episode. Brandy Sanders, thank you so much for coming on the podcast here at the Ascent Conference. If folks want to reach out to you or learn more about your company, how can yeah, they do that? Absolutely. Well, obviously you can visit revenue.io, the website, and then you can also find me on LinkedIn. I will be on LinkedIn under Brandy, B-R-A-N-D-E, -E, Sanders, S-A-N-D-E-R-S, and always open to take questions, kind of, you know, help people find their next play and, and make great connections because I think good people attract good people. So I love to pay that board. Thank you so much. Yeah. And if you want to reach me on LinkedIn, right. it's LinkedIn slash in slash Ken Lempit. And if you haven't subscribed to the podcast yet, you really ought to. And it's distributed wherever podcasts are found. So that's the SAS Backwards Podcast. Brandy Sanders, well, great thank job. You. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. That was a lot of fun. Thanks for listening to the SAS Backwards Podcast, brought to you by Austin Lawrence Group. We're a growth marketing agency that helps SAS firms reduce churn, accelerate sales, and generate demand. Learn more about us at www.austinlawrence.com. You can email Ken Lempet at kl at austinlawrence.com about any SaaS marketing or customer retention subject. We hope you'll subscribe, and thanks again for listening.